0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast dedicated to supporting insightful interpretations and inspired preaching from the Hebrew Bible. I'm Rosie Canethal, a PhD candidate in Hebrew Bible at
1: Emory University. And I'm Tim McNinch, also a PhD candidate at Emory insightful interpretations and inspired preaching that's a lot of eyes i like that i
0: know didn't you like that i came up with that
1: (laughs) fantastic (laughs) our uh, fancy free and footloose co-host dr rachel Wren, has the week off the first reading for february 20th is taken from genesis 45 and it has a little bit of everything doesn't it there's family drama a spectacular reveal powerful moment of forgiveness that resolves in a relatively happy ending about as happy as it gets in the hebrew bible
0: right i mean it really does the story of joseph has everything it's full of suspense and details that invite sustained reflection and our lectionary reading this week genesis chapter 45 comes at a climax in the joseph novella which really started out in genesis 37 and carries us all the way out to the end of the book of genesis Mm -hmm. And so you kind of need a little bit of background to appreciate the drama that is taking place in Genesis 45 in our lectionary text. So it's worth doing a reread if you're preaching this text. I promise it's quick and it's exciting. Yeah. But here's the lowdown, right? So driven by famine uh, here at the beginning of chapter 45 of Genesis and the threat of starvation, Joseph's brothers who had sold him into slavery long ago have traveled to nearby Egypt to buy grain. Now against all odds and after years of suffering, Joseph has risen from a slave and a prisoner to the top of the food chain in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. It is Joseph who is in charge of Pharaoh's grain supply when his brothers come begging for food to buy and then survive. But after all these years, The brothers that sold Joseph into slavery don't recognize him anymore. And so Joseph takes this moment to decide to toy with them for a bit. (laughs) Now, it's in Genesis 45 that Joseph finally reveals who he really is to his stunned brothers. And in a second surprise, instead of coming at them with revenge, Joseph chooses to respond with deep compassion. The end of this lectionary passage, Joseph kisses all of his brothers and weeps upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him.
1: Yeah, makes me wonder what they talked about. That probably was an awkward conversation. <laughs>
0: right? I was thinking about that myself. Um, yeah, sorry about selling you into slavery and then telling our father you were dead, Joseph. But like, cool that you're second in charge to Pharaoh now? <laughs> like, how'd you manage that anyway? I mean, uh, seriously, though, the brothers are struck dumb until this until this moment. They're silent throughout Genesis 45 and throughout the reveal. It is Joseph alone who has center stage.
1: Yeah, and in order to catch the surprise that's in the passage, it's helpful to appreciate the buildup to this climactic moment. But the way that the story concludes with compassion for those who are responsible for his own pain kind of comes as a shock.
0: Yeah, and the passage, verse 3, starts out with this one-two punch in the Hebrew. Um, so it's just two words there. It's, I, jo- I'm i Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question that he asks next is, does my father yet live? is my father still alive? And it's almost as though Joseph didn't dare believe what his brothers had already told him in the previous chapter that indeed, yes, his old father was still alive Mm. in this question that Joseph poses along with who he is. There's just so much suffering there. You know, like, is my father still alive? I can imagine the loneliness, the longing and the pain that are underneath this breathless question. Is my father still alive? But the brothers, they they can't answer. They're so taken aback. In the Hebrew, the root verb is one that communicates terror and trembling. Although the NRSV has it translated as dismayed, the Hebrew really communicates something that's much more visceral.
1: Mm, yeah, like they're they're almost in shock.
0: And even more than that, right? They seem to recognize on an inward level the horror of what they've done as they're facing Joseph, right? And also perhaps the punishment that they deserve.
1: Right. And as they're considering that, Joseph invites them to come closer.
0: <laughs> right. In verse four, Joseph says to his brothers come closer to me and they creep closer, right? So then he says, I am your brother, Joseph, right? So Joseph affirms his relationship to them. I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, Ooh, right? Ouch. ouch, there it is. <laughs> These brothers and the reader should expect the hammer to fall now. The brothers deserve to be crushed, right? I mean, if you've been reading up to here, you're waiting for this moment of justice. Joseph is in a position to deliver that justice, but instead the tables get flipped and Joseph promises to care for them.
1: Yeah. What a turn. I mean, it seems like there would be some preaching heft that could come from a story like that, but are there some pitfalls that we should watch out for too?
0: Right. I think so. I want to slow down the action for us because- The essential surprise of this story can be lost if we go right for the mercy end of the story, Mm, the piety end, mm. right? This passage has been read as a premier example of Christian piety and forgiveness, the extension of grace that Joseph gives to his brothers is extraordinary, right? And so it can be understandable that that might be the first preaching point that you want to head for is we should extend mercy, right? Sure. And Joseph's understanding of his suffering is that it has a higher purpose. What his brothers meant for harm really was for God's greater plan a grand design which no one of them could have known. So like Romans 28 is this verse that gets repeated in our communities a lot, all things work to the good of those who love God, right? Mm -hmm. So with enough faith, we can rise above our circumstances and see God's purpose for our pain. And so I think the preaching pitfall to be aware of here is that it invites a kind of pressure to forgive and forget Mm. from victims of abuse in our communities. And I want to be wary of that kind of neat interpretation of Joseph's story that neglects to acknowledge the real and lasting damage of abuse and the value of holding abusers accountable. And we can read between the lines in this passage because the narrator gives us some insight into Joseph's feelings. And we see that in his repeated bouts of weeping in this passage, Mm -hmm. his inability to trust the truth of what his brothers have said about his father still being alive, And there's so much emotion expressed and available between the lines of Joseph's story. Because of his brother's actions, Joseph was separated from his family, right? He was sold into slavery, abused, and suffered for years. Joseph can never get back the years that he lost that time with his family and his loved ones. And it's important to recognize that forgiveness and reconciliation like this is not a one-shot deal. But... Uh, It's a process that involves mourning those deep losses.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to me. And, And even though there's a picture of reconciliation in this story, we see that there's tension that continues in the relationship between Joseph and his brothers, you know, through the rest of, of their lives. Even the, you know, glimpses that we get in this story as it moves forward, this enduring mistrust and fear. Some things have been broken that can't be easily put back together.
0: That's really well said. That enduring loss of trust continues in the story, if you're, if you're able to kind of read and see that, right? So a preaching angle I'd offer around that, particularly in this moment, when as a society, we're still reckoning with the losses of the global pandemic, it is perhaps an opportunity to take some time to mourn, right? To mourn along with Joseph, who is, by the way, not afraid to weep before his brothers, to be emotional, even in front of the people that have hurt him most. And maybe, I'm wondering if this ability to express his emotions freely is something that helps Joseph to offer mercy and compassion to his family in a genuine way, an invitation perhaps to pause with the story of Joseph, to recognize pain and loss for at least a few minutes, to mourn it, to offer it the opportunity to speak, and then offer authentic mercy and compassion now, that is a preaching angle that I find compelling.
1: Definitely it is. And, you know, we're we're recording this in January, which is not long after the death of Desmond Tutu. And so I can't help reading a story like this without thinking about Tutu's uh, work with truth and reconciliation in South Africa. Those sort of twin values of forgiveness and reconciliation along with telling the truth and acknowledging the the reality of the pain that people had experienced and that still impacts their lives moving forward. So what a relevant text for this era. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode. Well done, Rosie. Thank you so much for preparing that. My pleasure. Remember friends, all of our episodes are over at firstreadingpodcast.com and posted on our Facebook page. We're so grateful to those of you who sustain First Reading with your donations, and you can find a big button to do that on the website. Of course, if giving financially isn't in the cards, don't worry about it. We're just happy to have you listening and getting something helpful from this resource. Thank you, as always, to Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University for their generous grant in support of First Reading. And thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim McNinch.
0: And I'm Rosie Canticle. Have a great week.